Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Terminator. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason and Amanda. Today we have a guest with us. We have Juanita Grant. Juanita is a really interesting gal. Before we hit the record button, we're sitting here trading some stories and talking to her. It sounds like she has a lot of knowledge. She has some wisdom and some experience and a lot of the great things to share with the listeners out here as potential or current foster parents, as people who are just learning how to, how to parent their kids. You're thinking about this journey like... We all need some help in that. Oh, yeah. She's got a lot of interesting things going on. It's going to be a great conversation today. How are you doing today, Juanita? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, Jason. Well, thank you, you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, we're running kind of crazy circles today, but you know, that's every day in a house with this many kids, so we're kind of well, used to it. The sun is shining. The temperature is beautiful. Everybody's on spring break. It's just time to kick back as a family. Oh, yes. Love it. I love every bit of it. My kids are using their skateboards now. There you go. (laughs) Skateboards can be pretty dangerous with our crew. All these boys. Yep, that's why they have helmets. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. We've been through a few concussions in our home. (laughs) (laughs) She's not even kidding. No, I'm not. Wow. There's never a dull moment, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little about yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Juanita. I'm from Boston and I call it Boss Town. And I was just teased the other day because they said I should say Boston, but no, I call it <laughs> Boss Town. <laughs> um, born and raised. And I am a, a single mom of four, soon to be five, two biological and two adoptive. And I'm in the process of gaining custody of another young lady. And I'm so happy. Um, I started foster care. Actually, one of my friends was working for an agency. And I just so happened to talk to her and tell her I was interested in doing foster care. And I had no idea that was her profession. So that opened the door. And I was in my early 20s to begin foster care. And working with youth. And I was so excited because I'm the oldest of my generation and oldest of my siblings. So I'm a natural nurturer, I call it. I am um, always working with children. I'm like a Pied Piper with children. And it has been really a great opportunity in my life, um, having different children from all walks of life being with me. So um I also, I have, I'm in the finance industry, so I help people with purchasing homes, helping them with their credit, making sure that they have everything that they need. But I learned that um, through one of my coaches that I should really work with teaching parents how to be a better parent, providing yourself safe space so that they can come and ask those questions. How do they do things How can they be better and do better? So that birthed Parent Mastermind. And I've been really pioneering 
parent mastermind so that we can come together and collaborate and do great things together. And I started a membership program. I have, um, I've in the process of making improvements on my website, because as you grow and you do things, then um, your website has to get better as well. So I've been working on that. I've done just finished a conference um, for parenting. We worked on parenting, finances, and different things like that. So I was really in my element. Um, finished my book that we were working on, workshops. So I've been pretty busy lately. I know a lot of people complain about COVID, but COVID, um, being home, it allowed me to get a lot of things done. So I'm really you know, happy on the, the things that I'm working on currently. And what's the name so of your first book? The name of my first book is called The Game Changer Life, The Anthology. And it was um, inspired by Samira Jones and forwarded by Kim Coles, the actor, who is a very amazing woman. She mentored and tutored us throughout the book. Um, we learned so much. Even the editor, Lauren, she was really phenomenal. So that was um, my first experience in writing. I was really happy because as a little girl, I always wanted to be an author. I wanted to also write films. I wanted to um, teach people how to be better. Those were the things that I really, really was focused on doing. That was my drive as a young lady growing up. Even though I experienced adversity in life, those were the things that I wanted to do. So as an adult, doing what I always wanted to do is really amazing. And I talk about that in the book. That's really awesome. And now you have a second book that just came out, correct? Yes. March 1st, we launched. It's called The Make It Matter Project. So the name of the book is Make It Matter. Ryan C. Green, he came up um, with the idea of putting together the anthology, bringing us authors together. There's 16 of us. There's also um, one, two, three, four, five. I think it's like five or six special contributors to the book as well. They're amazing speakers who um, speak on various topics. And what's different about this anthology, there's a workshop um, attached to it and we're working on a movie. So it's really very different from my first anthology. I'm really happy to have the opportunity. And the name of my title in that one is called Make Your Parenting Matter. And everywhere I go, Everyone I speak to, I always encourage people to make it matter. So when I seen that was the title during a workshop, I was uh, present in one of the authors in the anthology. And it's been such a great experience working with Ryan. Well, working with Ryan C. Green with is called the Make It Matter Project. And the reason why it's called Make It Matter Project is because we worked on an anthology together. There's myself and 16 other authors. We also have a group of, I think it's like six or seven amazing speakers that are well-known in the industry. And they also have contributed to the book. We worked on workshops which are really amazing in each and every one of our gifted areas. My title in the book, it's called Make Your Parenting Matter. 
And when I learned about the project that Ryan was working on, I was in a workshop that um, Brian, Brian Knowles had put together. And he talked to, and when Ryan started talking about make it matter and putting that project together, I felt like that was such a great opportunity because everywhere I go, everywhere I travel to, I always encourage people that whatever you do, make sure that it matters. That is really important. Make your parenting matter. Make um, your financing matter. Everything that you do, it's really important to make sure that you make it matter, that you do the best that you can do to the best of your ability. So I definitely wanted to participate. And it's really been a great, great experience. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it is. Um, Jason has a question that he likes to ask quite often. Um, and you just, you seem very passionate. So I just, I, I want to start off by asking, what sets your soul on fire? What sets my soul on fire? Seeing families um, work. I, I love seeing mothers, fathers, and children. I love seeing um just seeing people work together, do things together, that really um, that really sets my soul on fire, especially you. I do a lot of stuff with the youth. I'm a big kid at heart. So that, that I'm very passionate about. I know someone who's a big kid at heart. No, I'm a little <laughs> kid at heart. Give me a four-year-old and we're going to go have fun. Yes, <laughs> and a mess, and a mess. Hey, that's part of the fun. Get over it. <laughs> so how long have you been fostering now? Oh my goodness, over 25 years. I won't tell the rest of the years because then that's, that's to tell my age. <laughs> <laughs> How many foster children have you had? Over the years, over 25 foster children. Um, I did have a residential program as well where I had six kids at a time. That was very, very different. Um, just imagine having six teenage girls at one time. No thanks. No thanks. Yes. Uh, I'm good. Your house is never the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can only imagine. You're looking. Where's the hair? <laughs> we have lots so, of boys. Yes, See, I love having boys. Boys are a lot more easier until they get older. That that's when things begin. To boys. The teenage uh, years can be a little rough. They can. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, yes. especially when you have trauma yes. and things like that mixed in. It can be, it can be a challenge. But yeah, our, our daughter's outnumbered. Yeah. Well, me and my daughter are outnumbered. <laughs> Lots of boys. So I got to ask, you know, Amanda mentions trauma and you mentioned having that, you know, 25 kids over the years and, and having six girls in the house at a time. I mean, we all know that trauma plays a part into this. What are yes. some of the lessons you've learned that have like just made the difference in helping these kids make the turn and end up in a good place? Mm -hmm. You know what I've learned? Don't assume. See, we always assume that, um, you know, before a child comes into our home, we're given a case study. You know, this is what the child experienced. Most times they give us a lot of information. Oftentimes they don't give us enough. But I've learned never to assume. And I've also learned to keep the door open so that I can listen to understand. Because every child that comes into our home is unique. Their experience is their experience. and the most successful times that I've had with young people is 
listening is learning what they've been through. And it's not about what's on paper. It's about what's in that child's heart. So I've learned never to assume, never to, um, you know, never to judge. That's really important because sometimes we feel, oh, they've been through this. So this is how they're going to be. No, you have to take them for who they are, for where they are, and just work with them where they are. And those have been the most successful placements. In the beginning, I didn't know any better. So I went with the information that was given and I judged and I was wrong. And I've learned over time, you know, that everybody is an individual. Their experience is their experience. And I work with them so that they can be the best. If it's Johnny, Johnny. If it's Susie, Susie. And when they leave, I want them to leave empowered. I want them to leave knowing that regardless of what they went through, that you can still be the best you that you can be. And I also work really hard to encourage them to break the cycle because sometimes a lot of the children that I have worked with, their mother was a foster child. Their grandmother was a foster child. It has been a cycle. So it does seem to be a generational problem. Yes. So many of the kids we've seen are are part of that generational cycle. And I can only commend you for attempting to break that generational cycle because I don't think we're going to change it any other way. No. And if you can break that cycle, you can create families. You can create beautiful things. Yes. I don't, sometimes the kids don't know that they can break the cycle. Until you teach them that they can, that there's a way to break it. Um, That's why the pattern keeps going on, because they don't know that they can do it. And that's why it's important for them to know that they matter and the things that they do matter. Hey there, Foster Care Nation. We'd like to take a quick minute to step out of the podcast here and ask you guys for a little bit of support. If you could share an episode with people, friends, in a group, with family, anywhere where there's somebody who would like to hear this. Also, if you'd like to join us and support our mission, a couple dollars a month would be really helpful. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash foster care nation. Now back to the show. And that's why it's important for them to know that they matter and the things that they do matter. Absolutely. And I, th- I think it's so great that you're trying to help parents learn how to speak to their kids because, man, some days it's so hard to talk to your children, you know, and it, yes. me as a parent myself, I mean, there's days I could use all the help I could get. Can you kind of walk me through how um, the parent mastermind kind of works? Absolutely. So um, the parent mastermind is new. And we provide a safe space so that parents can come together without losing their mind or their sanity. It started initially with uh, conference calling, you know, parents just coming together, venting, expressing what's going on. A lot of my friends, they call me for advice. They're asking me, you know, what do I do? I have this child and this is what's going on. Oh, I don't want to choke them. You know, you're so calm. What do you do? And 
you know, I just said, I said, make suggestions, you know, well, why don't you ask them? What is it that they need? Ask them, what are they thinking? Did you ask? Why would I ask? How are you going to know if you don't ask? Oh, (laughs) sometimes you just have to ask the question. And children, one thing I love about them, they're honest. So if you ask the question, they're going to tell you. They have nothing to lose. So that's um, pretty much the premise of where Parent Mastermind has started. So I do my best with Parent Mastermind to provide a platform where you could come and vent, and then you can learn the strategies to ask the questions, how to ask the questions, what, you know, what are some of the things that you could do to encourage the child to speak, encourage the child to, you know, to participate in doing things because every child is different. I mean, one of my girlfriends hurt the little boy that she had. Oh my goodness. I think um, I really take my hat off to her because the patience was really incredible, but um, he was really a hard cookie. Um, because he didn't want to listen to nobody. He used to throw himself on the floor, have temper tantrums. She spent a lot of time running back and forth to daycare. So I, you know, when I spend time with her and him, I would ask him, what is it that you need? And he would simply say, I, I want some crackers. He would throw himself on the floor. But if you don't ask what he wants and what he needs, then he's going to continue to throw himself on the floor. So it's just little things that we can do as parents. Um, to just tweak those things and to have those conversations. Even with my teenagers, like um, my daughter, she's really good at basketball. She just loves basketball. And what she didn't know is I'm a tomboy. So I love basketball too. So I just take her down on the court. I just let her know, listen, I can do it too. And she's like, wow, but that opens up the doors to so many conversations. But you don't know if you don't ask the questions. So parent mastermind, Um, it's forming into a membership where parents can come. They can participate in workshops. They can, um, they will be privy to a lot of um, different things. And at the end of this year, I would like to have a retreat for parents. So we're watching how COVID is going. And if we can't do the retreat in person, then we will definitely do it virtually. So, and if you go to the website, you'll learn more about it. And as things turn around and unfold, um, that's how you'll be able to really um, see what's going on. We're doing some really great things. Uh, and that's inspired by Juanita.org. Yeah, we'll make sure that that link ends up in the uh, show notes. So you, anybody who wants to check it out can just run down to the show notes in your, in your podcast player and click it there. And, you know, my apologies, but Apple's kind of a, got something going on they're having a, a bit of a bipolar moment with the podcast notes for whatever reason so if you're on apple and it doesn't work you can just go to fostercarenation.com the top left um or well yeah depend if you're on mobile it's the the little drop down menu but the podcast blog tab will take you right to a page where you can you can find all the show notes right there nice and easy and that one will work i'll make sure those work Okay, perfect. Yeah, because as it turns out, I can't fix anything, you know, any of Apple's issues. They won't let me. Well, if you Um, could, it'd be awesome, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know you'd be the next millionaire. Right? (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? I don't know. Steve Jobs (laughs) might argue it might make you a gazillionaire. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) But, well, it it sounds like you've got a a real heart for taking care of, you know, older kids. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that's that's weird. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> not weird in a bad way, but I mean, we all have our thing, you know. He likes the toddlers. Yeah, you but... give me you give me a room, thirty three year olds, buddy. We will have an army ready to assault the closest popsicle stand. We'll go have a blast. You know, the Hot Wheels will be will be in full fledged on the floor, and we'll have a good time. I love that age range. It's just. Well, Amanda will tell you it's because when at the end of the day, that's where, where my brain really is comfortable in the three-year-old mode. But uh, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with her on it. She might be right. But the teen, the teen years are so hard. I mean, as a teenager, it was hard, right? I don't know about you. When I was a teenager, I didn't like teenagers much. Uh, I just – and as kids get to that age, they become more difficult for a lot of parents to be able to parent and work through. So what oh. in the world – Made you like look at life and go, this, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I want to do. And and what are some of the strengths that you can bring to others who are struggling with that in the moment? Yes. You know, that that was the hardest time in my life, um, being a teen. I was bullied in school. I went through a lot of different um, trials and tribulations. And that's what really led me um, to working with teens. I had a woman who really um, poured into me through a program called WOTA, which was wiping out drug abuse. And that was in Dorchester, Massachusetts. I was 16 years old um, when I went to her and I said, I want to give my, I want to give a talent show. And she said to me, she said, you can do it. And I went and I did it. And she just encouraged me through it all. And when I gave my first talent show, I went, I booked the hall on my own. I was 16 years old. They didn't even know I was not even 18 years old. They didn't even ask me any questions. I paid for it with the money I worked for. And um, I made, after everything was all paid and said and done, I made over $3,500. And I was only 16 years old. And she mentored me and she encouraged me. And I felt that when... You know, as I began to grow older, that if I can do it as a young person, then I can really show other young people my age how to do it. So I started working with teenagers ever since. And that's what really um, led to me working with the older youth. And they just love talking to me because I don't judge them, because I don't put them down. And I let them know, listen, you're, you're special. You're important. You really matter. You mean something. And that's what kids want to hear today. You know, it's easy to like reprimand, to be on them and to be like, you know, you did. Da, 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 da. But when I say, okay, you made a mistake. So how do we fix it? How can we work together so that um, you don't go down this road again? Or, you know, I've made mistakes too. So when I did this, this is how I fix it. So what are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to make it better? And that starts the wheel turning. So I encourage parents, ask the question. Don't assume, because sometimes as parents, we want to fix the problem. We want to fix everything. But you need to find out what is going on. What's behind that child's um, decision-making process. What is it? Why are they so insistent on doing the things that they, they're doing? There's a reason. And when you find out what that reason is, then you're in a better position to have a much better relationship. And those are some of the things that I want to make sure that I teach parents, because as you know, parenting doesn't come with directions and instructions. They really don't. Here it is. You have a child in front of you and it's like, 
you're looking at that child like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? What do I get myself into? But um, it's just such a natural because I just, I remember when I was younger, I wanted somebody to listen to me. I wanted someone to understand me. Um, I didn't have any big sisters or big brothers. I was, that was it, you know? So with that in mind, I, when I speak to, you know, teenagers, I just want to know, what are you thinking? Where are you? Where, where do you think this is going to lead to? And remember what you do today, it affects you later on. Because one day you're going to need a job, you're going to go to school, and what you do now, it comes out in the end. And they don't think like that until you point it out to them, you know? Yeah, I'm a little bit of a geek on the brain science stuff. And knowing what I know now about the the brain development, you know, that part of the brain that understands that stuff, that doesn't really fully develop until somewhere between about 22 and 26 years old for most people. Yes, especially boys. Now that's when that's when things begin to turn around with boys. So they're easy when they're younger, but when they get older, you know, it, it, their brains aren't working the way we would like for them to work all the time. And you, I find that at that age, I'm spending more time talking, sitting down at the table, showing them how to do things, and that that goes back to not making the assumption. You can't assume just because someone's 22, 23, 24, or 25 that they have it all together. You can't make that assumption. You know, I sit down with my sons. I give them budget sheets. I show them how to budget. I show them how to spend their money, um, manage their accounts, and do different things. And then they take that tool, and then they go and they teach their friends. So um, it's just really important to know that just because you're that age, that you don't have it all together. And just because you're that age, it doesn't make you a quote unquote adult in um, Webster's standards. You're still learning and growing and your adult and your role as an adult and as a parent, it, it changes just because your child turns 18 doesn't mean you cut that umbilical cord all the way. It just means that your role as a parent changes and you become more of a mentor um, more so than a parent. You know, yeah, it's, so it's important to know when to make that shift. It sounds like the difference between, you know, the, the idea of discipline and, and control and the idea of influence. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because and your kids will come to you, you know, when when you when you pay attention and you're not making those those judgment calls and your doors open where they can come and ask the questions. I'm telling you, it, it makes a much better relationship. Like I said, I'm a grandmother today. So my son comes to me. He's like, you know, Ma, you know, we sat down and we had this plan and it's not working that way. Yeah. Just because you plan something doesn't mean that it's got to go the, according to plan all the time. That's why you need to have a plan A, B, C, and D, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, my kids think that their plan is going to work all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because they're teenagers and they know it all. They know everything. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I don't understand how kids today are that way because I was never that way. Oh, no. Let's just ask your mama. Well, (laughs) I was about to say, you know, I know when I was a teen, I knew, I I, I just knew it all. Um, I, I had questions, but there was times when, I really felt like, oh, okay, well, I'm doing it anyway, so I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. As an adult, I'm like, wow, 
<laughs> and even as I look back across those years, I don't think I, I really had the feeling like I knew everything yet, but I really didn't care to listen to others. And I think that's a struggle that as parents we, we all deal with is, you know, they may not really truly believe they know everything, but they're not, they don't want to hear what you have to say oftentimes. And I think as a parent, that's, that makes you struggle, you know, and, and in foster parenting even more because there's more layers. There's the layers of trauma and, you know, identity and all of that on top of it. It really just magnifies the, the issues as we deal with that with these kids. So I know you said earlier that you have, you've had like 25 kids of all different races and ethnic backgrounds and all that. Have you dealt with the identity issues much with these kids? Um, absolutely. Um, like I said, everyone's definitely an, an individual. And yes, identity has um, played a part in the roles and it's made it really difficult for a few of the children that I have had in my care. Um, I had one young lady, she was really struggling and she was cutting herself. And when I caught her, because she would wear long sleeves all the time, you know, I asked her, why would you hurt yourself? And then she was like, well, it doesn't matter. And I said, well, it, actually it does. You know, and then I just took her her hand, her arms and put them in my hands. And then, you know, and I showed her, I said, you know, every time you do this, you're creating a scar. And then when you get when you get older and you start to look at those scars, you know, and you've gotten through the process, you ask yourself, why did you inflict that pain? And, you know, and I and I said to her, when you feel this way. I gave her a notebook. Instead of cutting yourself, write it down. Write it down. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? How are you doing? Um, you know, just put it on paper. And today, this young lady. Hey there, Foster Care Nation. If you'd like to find yourself in a group with like-minded people, head over to Facebook and you can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash foster care uj we've got a group over there where we talk about foster care we talk about adoption and we talk about all the things related if your podcast player allows it you can also reach down and hit that subscribe button so you get notified every week when we put up uploads every tuesday a new episode comes out we'd love to see you next week now back to the show and today this young lady she is amazing with writing. She is amazing with what she does. And um, I'm really happy that she's still here. But I later learned, um, you know, she had been uh, molested and she had been raped by a gang of boys. And uh, she struggled with whether or not she wanted to be straight or gay. She um, she was just hurting on the inside. And then she felt rejected by her parents. And I later learned her mom couldn't read. And because her mom couldn't read, she couldn't keep apartments. And they didn't really help her mom with keeping the family together. And I, you know, we're not supposed to, but I ended up helping mom with applications and securing a place so that, you know, her kids, you know, would help you know be with her and I brought her to a place where she could learn how to read so that she can work with her children help them well 
homework and stuff. And her daughter, she, when her daughter came to me, she was 16, she turned 17 and she was helping her younger siblings. And her daughter became an honorable student with me and her writing just was out of this world. She was so gifted. But when you get down to the root of the problem, um, you really have an understanding. And then she also learned who she was in the process, why she was where she was. And, um, and it was like the layers began to fall and she began to really flourish and bloom. She stopped the cutting. She started opening up. She was able to communicate. And um, I spent time with mom helping mom to get where she was. It's not so much that mom was a bad person. She was the oldest and she had to take care of the kids. And the same thing happened to mom, but mom didn't get the education that daughter got, you know? So, um, yes, I've had so many walks of life, you know, but, um, she's doing extremely well today and I'm happy about that. Well, it sounds like you've really had a, a deep impact in, in more than one life in the way that you approach these kids and, and their situations and the bio parents even. So for the listeners out there who are thinking that yeah, a foster parent might be something I'm called to, you know, I, I feel like, like that's something I want to look into more. What, what would you say to somebody who came up to you and told you that? I would tell them you can do it. You can do it. It's scary in the beginning. You know, it's not easy when you have a child that you don't know in your home. But you can really be an asset in the young person's life because they're dependent upon good people to believe in them, you know, to support them. And I one thing that I make sure that I let parents, you know, foster parents know, just as you're nervous, that child is nervous, too. Because they're not with their family anymore. They're in a new environment. They have to learn a new set of rules. They have to learn how to do things differently. So you can be a great asset in the life of a child. And I want everybody to, not everybody, but if it's in your heart to do it, because not everybody's cut out to be a foster parent. Not everybody's cut out to be an adoptive parent. I have friends that um, I would be praying for that child all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel you there. <laughs> but for the most part, you can do it. And it's my mission to encourage as many people to become foster parents. Right now in the state of Massachusetts, there's over 5,000 children in foster care. 5,000, we need homes. And sometimes there's so many children that the workers have to take the kids home. But there's so many people, and, and then there's a fear. A lot of people are afraid to be foster parents as well because they don't want to be accused of something that they didn't do. They don't want a 51A against them. They don't want their family to be disrupted. Um, so there's so many different um, things to consider when becoming a foster parent. But like I tell people, listen, they need us. They need us to be there. They need us to open the doors. They need us to support them, you know. And most times I, I tell my friends and other people, 
you really need to know like what age group too. That's the other thing. So like you said, Jason, you're good with younger, younger children. And if you know that you need to make sure that you state that in the beginning and they will place younger children with you. If you're better with teenagers and you know that you can make a difference, then you let them know. And I explained to them the home study process, which you have to go through with MAP certification. It's called the Massachusetts and just the steps through the process so that you can have the best fit because not every shoe fits on the right foot. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I just feel, yeah, we need more homes. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's a problem everywhere. It's a problem in our area. It's all over the place. You know, we have children that are being placed in, juvenile detention centers and residential centers and shelters and that's no place for our kids no not at all not at all yeah i I really um yeah i i don't like to see that that um that really bothers me and you're not able to get the individualized attention that you need it's bad enough you didn't get it at home and then you go into a center um, it's just going from one place to a worse place and it doesn't help or make the situation any better. No, for that it's, child. yeah, it's another trauma. It's leaving a child out there scared, lonely, feeling like they're unloved. I mean, you've taken everything that they had and even if they've, it was a bad situation, that's still their situation. That's what they knew. That's where they yeah. were comfortable. Yeah. And then we throw our children into a place where they feel alone without guidance and you know it it breaks my heart so i i really do have to say thank you for taking care of our teens because they need it yes you know you're talking about a lot of the fears that the parents have you know or potential foster parents have and i think that's one of the things we just have to be honest with like some of the some of the things are are worth being concerned about you're going to have some things i mean you're dealing with things you ain't never seen sometimes Oh my God! Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've had the feces on my wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> the shower looking like Amityville Horror Show with the blood all over everywhere. Like, where did this come from? Yeah, I've seen so many different things. You know. Well, so far, I think I don't think we've had any feces on the wall yet that I well, can think of. From babies taking off a diaper. Well, playing, yeah, but but you know, yeah, other than I that. Mean, but there's there's We've all kinds of, that one. of trials and tribulations that you're gonna go through. Um, but you know, it seems like you're stepping up to the plate and meeting all them and and doing things and creating programs and books. But what's the next step? Where are you heading now? I want to get into films. So I like I said with the Make It Matter anthology. We finished the book portion, we finished the workshop portion, and now we're working on the film. So I'm really happy. I don't know how we're going to do it with the pandemic yet. That's something that we're really working on, but that's going along the lines of where I really would like to be. Um, In addition to that, once this is over, I do want to start a program for pregnant, um, pregnant women, young ladies, And for their boyfriends. I don't believe, like so many places, they separate the young lady from the boyfriend. 
And that causes division in families. So with the program that I put together, it's not so much that they'll be living together, but I do want to hold workshops where they can learn how to be parents, how to work together, how to be effective co-parents for their child, um, where the resources are, how they can do things together, even um, if they're interested in being married, how to how to be a married couple, how to be successful, how to weather the storm. Because some some kids get married because they know that they want to do that, but they don't know what exactly is marriage. How do you work through how do you how do you deal with the changes when your one partner matures faster than the other? What do you do and how do you do it? So I cannot wait to find a building to start my program. And you know that this whole COVID thing is going on. So um, I don't know when, but that is my hope and my dream to continue to build um, youth and to strengthen parents and encourage them and let them know we got this. We're going to do this. This is this too is going to, you know, this is going to blow over, you know, where are we going to be? How are we going to stand? How do we empower our children so that, um, they can be great leaders. That's so important. So those are my future goals and plans. And hopefully I'll be back on here in a year or two, you know, talking about how great the program's going, you know. Absolutely. You'll have to keep us posted and informed so that we can let everybody else know. And, you know, because we're always looking for resources to help people because that's that's one thing that we hear a lot when we talk to foster parents is we just don't have enough help. We don't have enough resources and it leads to burnout and we, you know, we can't keep foster parents in, and we need foster homes and parents. So any yeah. resources that can help with that, you know, is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Resources are, are slim. A lot of times it feels like when you're, especially, you know, when you're in those hard moments and it sounds to me like you have really mastered the, the, the ability to stay calm in the moment of problems with, with kids. And is, is that, uh, I assume that that's a big part of what you teach to parents. Yes. Um, some of my, <laughs> my friends, they tease me all the time. Um, a lot of them are older than I am. And I used to get lectures from them all the time. You explain too much to your children. You talk too much. Um, why do you do that? And I used to say, well, if I don't teach them and talk to them, how are they going to learn? How are they going to understand? You know, when my sons were preteens, I used to give them the cash and give them the phone bill and send them into the Western Union so that they can pay the bill. If we don't teach them how to do things while they're young, how do they grow up to be responsible adults? So those are some of the things that I have encourage my friends to do. We need to prepare our children to grow up. They need to grow up. And if we keep doing everything for them, how do they become responsible adults? How do they become responsible members of society? If we don't teach them how to take care of children, how to be good and great in school, it's not only just about your behavior, but how do you create good study habits? How do you communicate to your teacher, I'm struggling with this and I don't understand without being embarrassed or ashamed? You have to teach them how to 
um, speak up and advocate for themselves, how to do things differently. Because sometimes kids don't know and they'll sit in the classroom and they won't say anything because of that fear and they're nervous. They don't know how to express themselves. So I spend a lot of time talking to teenagers. Well, when you go, make sure you look them in their eye. Make sure that you explain. I don't understand how to do this. This isn't making sense. If you don't tell the teacher, the teacher won't know. And there's more than one way to get the answer to a problem. So how do you figure out those ways? How can the teacher teach you the other ways if you don't let them know this is your struggle? So where my friends, they used to laugh at me all the time. Now they're like, you know what? I find myself talking to the children all the time. I find myself doing this. And wow, it really works. It does. Because kids don't know. We didn't know as parents how to, you know, raise our kids. We thought and assumed we'd do things one way. But then the reality of life taught us something very different, you know, and we have strategies today that we didn't have when we were younger, when we first started parenting. So how do our kids be successful? We have to teach them. We have to explain to them. We have to talk to them and give them the steps and the tools for success. And a lot of kids, especially in foster care, they don't know that because their parents don't know how to teach them. Their parents um, didn't understand themselves. And even as young adults or adults, they they didn't know because nobody ever sat down and explained important to them. So, yes, I'm very patient. Um, this is my voice tone. And if it goes up higher, let me tell you, people stop moving because it's like, uh-oh, her voice went <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> you know. But um this is my voice. This is how I am. And this is how I do things, you know, because I want them to come to me. I want them uh, to ask me questions so that they understand, you know? Yeah. I like what you said there. You know, that, that whole voice tone is so very important. I've learned, you know, with my own kids that I can so very much control and shape the conversation with nothing more than my intonation, the speed of my speech, the volume, the tone. And it's, it's, you know, again, that goes back to a lot of the, the brain geek stuff, you know, that I've learned from <laughs> some of the, some of the people I've listened to and learned from, you know, Chris Voss, you know, it, he was, he was the, the lead hostage negotiator for the international kidnapping team. Right. And who better to understand how to deal with teenagers than somebody who deals with, with terrorists and hostages, right? <laughs> yes. But but some of the skill sets that he talks about are so very crossover. You know, they they work in that world very well because honestly, it's just a matter of connecting with people. Yes. And trying to figure out how to make that connection happen and have the other person feel feel like they're being heard or seen and those are the the skill sets that we just didn't gain a lot of times as parents. So as, as you've worked through this, you know, over time with all these kids, how difficult is it for you in those moments to understand, like in that moment when the kids in your face and loud and hollering and screaming and making a a big fuss, how, how do you, how do you keep your calm and keep your tone in the right place so that you can, you can, listen to what they have to say 
listen to hear them and to understand them and not just listen to be able to respond quickly and, and win the argument. One of the things that, oh, oh God, it takes great discipline. I learned to just shut up, to just shut up. So while they are venting and talking, I let them talk because in that yelling and having a fit, if you just let them talk long enough, you're going to find out why. It comes out eventually. And, you know, I let them just have that little fit and that temper tantrum. And then when when they're finished, you know, I say, okay, I've heard everything that you said. You know that there was a better way to express that. If you had just came and said, this is what I need, I would have been more than happy to assist you. And you yelling at me, it didn't make me feel good, but I'm glad that you got it out. And I, and you know, one of the other things I really explain, I have feelings too. So after they're done yelling, you know, you really hurt my feelings because it didn't even have to be that way. And they're looking like, your feelings, you like you got feelings. Yeah, I'm a person. I got some feelings too. And you, you just hurt them, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot of my friends are like, "Oh, you're a pushover." No, I'm not, because a person who has wisdom will learn when to open your mouth and learn when to shut your mouth. And see, parents are so focused on winning, on using their muscles and their powers to be the parent, but. You're more powerful when you close your mouth and you find out what's really going on. And then you know how to support that person. You understand what is what's really going on in the heart and in the mind of that child. And you'll know if that child needs therapy or if they need one-on-one time with you. Sometimes kids just want that time with you. When you don't give it to them, it begins to bubble over and it can come out explosive. So if you just don't say nothing sometimes and just listen. You know, um, my son taught me, he's 25, you know, and he said, you know, mom, you're so busy speaking and you're saying different things. He said, you never once asked me, am I happy? And I was like, what are you happy? What the heck am I going to ask you that for? But you know something? I didn't ask him, am I happy? Why is he happy? Because that thought never crossed my mind to ask him if he was happy. He said, Ma, he said, a parent who loves and cares about you cares that you're happy. Did you ever ask me, am I happy? Because he said, once you know whether or not I'm happy, that's when your parental skills should kick in. If I'm unhappy, then you could give me advice to my unhappiness. However, uh uh-oh, I hope I have a charger um, because my thing is well, but that's okay. And, um, he, you know, and I said, he said, and if I'm happy, then you know that we can share some really good moments as a mother and son. So that was just very valuable for me because I never thought to ever ask, are you happy? So it's just little things, sometimes little nuggets, little adjustments that we can make as adults. Instead of flexing our muscles, we can just listen and then make better judgment calls, accurate judgment calls. You know what I mean? You know, you, you mentioned the you know the problem 
a lot of the problem comes from that trying to win and trying to win an argument and, and getting loud and trying to use your power. And it's funny that I have an entire book written in my head. I haven't put pen to paper yet. I, I, I know one thing for certain is that the title is this. Nobody hears you when you yell. And that's pointed straight at parents. Yes. And that's, that is so true. When you're sitting there yelling, a child can't function. You can't function if someone's yelling at you. Right? Uh, well, I can now, but only because I've done a <laughs> lot of work with it. I, I've yes. had a lot of a lot of kids who've st- stood there and yelled at me. <laughs> They've trained yeah. me well how to how to how to step out of that place. But you know, again, the brain science stuff—that's what spikes the amygdala. You go into your fight, flight, or freeze response. Yes. You, you you now have the the reptilian brain and maybe a little bit of the mammalian brain. But that whole part front part of the brain that does all that real important work that makes us successful and lets us work together and collaborate and come up with a solution together. That goes out the window, and we're primarily just like the crocodile who wants to eat the thing in front of us. <laughs> and when you put two crocodiles in the same room and they're both hungry, it doesn't turn out pretty. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's been one of the big struggles we've seen. It sounds like you've seen that plenty as well. I love what you're saying about that. It's just so very important for us to learn that skill so that we can help guide kids, who, especially kids from hard places, who probably have spent a lot more time in that fight, flight, or freeze space. Absolutely. I, like, like I said, I've had all walks of life. I've had gang members. I've had um, children who've been molested, children who've been raped, children who have been severely neglected. So many that have walked through the door. And like I said, every shoe does not fit on the same foot. So you have to meet them where they are and, and just have an understanding. But listening has always been the number one thing. Just listening to understand, to reach out. And even, you know, if they cry, you know, it's so important. When kids aren't crying, that right there sends up a red flag to me because the, they need to let that pain go and to get rid of it. How do you do that? Oftentimes crying. But then it's, it's like when those tears start coming, that defense mechanism sometimes kicks in and it's like, oh my God, I can't let her see I'm vulnerable. I can't let her see I'm weak. It's a sign of weakness. And that's actually no. It's a sign of growth as far, you know, as far as I'm concerned, because you've acknowledged what your experience, you've acknowledged what you went through, and now you're going through a cleansing part process, and now you're ready for the next phase in your life. How do we take those steps for the transition to get you where you need to be? How do we change things where your heart's not so heavy, where you're lighter, where you can begin to do things differently? Those are so important to um, instill in our young people, you know, and that's why it wasn't easy in the beginning because I wanted to win. You know, doing like this, it takes discipline. You have to really learn. It's a, it's a skill. And you really have to learn and understand. My my oldest son, when people yell at him, he does, he's 27. He just discombobulates. He can't, he can't take it. But what I do love about him, he's really excellent in um, explaining how he feels, what he thinks, and um, how he feels things should go. 
that's really important to have those skills. And I, I love it. When he sits down and talk, I'm like, okay, you know, you're amazing. <laughs> you know, Juanita, we really appreciate you coming here and sharing these stories because it sounds like a lot of them are really hard fought lessons that you had to work to get to a, a positive end. And the wisdom you that you gain out of that really is impactful in a lot of lives. And when you can share that with an audience, that, that just spreads your wisdom so much further. So thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us. You are very welcome. And I really appreciate you having me. Um, it was really a pre- pleasure just speaking to the two of you, you know, and, and just everything that you share. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being here. And and as your journey continues, please keep in touch with us and let us know the good things that you're doing, you know, because you're really making an impact and we need more people to make an impact in this world. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, you know, even having this platform where the door is open, where different people can come and um, share, you're doing such a great thing. So, this is definitely an asset and I really appreciate, you know, being able to participate and to share. It's, it's really been amazing. Thank you. It's been great. Okay. Foster care nation. Thanks for listening to Juanita's story. Now take her knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you'd like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at fostercareuj at gmail.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have a Patreon where you can support our mission for as little as $5 a month. It's at patreon.com slash fostercarenation. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. So cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks.